welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. everyone, welcome back to Turn the Page. I'm your host today, Jen, and I am joined by the author of a really lovely and sweet and sad romance. Hello and welcome to the show. Could I ask you to introduce yourself and your book, please? Of course, yes. Uh, my name is Richard Roper and I am the author of This Disaster Loves You. Um, I would love for you to tell our readers a little bit about your journey uh, toward this book. I know that it's not your first, um, but if you could just tell us a little bit about, yeah, your writing journey and how you got here. Of course, yeah. So this is my uh, third book, um, and it was really uh, a book born out of, um, kind of out of lockdown and the pandemic where um I was uh, looking for a new idea and I hadn't quite landed on anything, partly, I think, because I was just like all of us, you know, stuck in my flat here in London. And I just didn't I was slightly starved of ideas. And then uh, my girlfriend and I went on our first sort of trip when lockdown had finished and we got on a train and we went up to York in the north of England um, and we were staying in a hotel and it was just so nice to be out having a bit of an adventure and doing something different and not just staring at the same old four walls. And we were staying in this hotel, which was a very nice hotel, um, and we were down having breakfast one morning and the owner of the hotel, who was a slightly sort of beleaguered, um, melancholy chap in his 50s was um, doing the best he could despite the fact there were no really there wasn't really anyone helping him and I overheard a conversation where someone was complaining very loudly to him about their stay in the hotel and I just knew that there was something kind of uh, incredibly unfair about the fact that you know we were just out of lockdown people were just starting to kind of get out there and do stuff and lo and behold, this person already had already found something to complain about. And then I kind of got slightly obsessed with this person and what had brought them to this point where both, well, both people really, this, this poor person trying to run this place and someone who almost enjoyed, I think, complaining. And so I went down a bit of a, a rabbit hole where I found myself on TripAdvisor and Google reviews and watch and loads of other places and found myself reading lots of sort of negative reviews of of places just to sort of and found myself just completely bowled over by how much effort people took uh being very kind of rude about places and I, w- I must say I would recommend it if you're ever feeling like you just want a five minute break from reality if you go on and look at TripAdvisor trip advisor reviews of somewhere like the Eiffel Tower and sort by worst to best you will just see the absolute sort of madness of humanity so from that on the train back from York, I just couldn't stop thinking about this poor man and his hotel and his livelihood. And then that eventually spiraled into something where I found myself sort of feverishly writing down an idea for a book that um, involved a man running his own uh, pub on the on the coast of England and sort of, yeah, trying to figure things out from there. Mm. That's a really interesting origin story, because one of the things that I did really like about it is the depiction of sort of of pub culture, uh, which I only really briefly encountered on a very short trip uh, once, but was something that I remained really fascinated with. And 
you know, that leads me to a question about like um, world building, because I think we tend to talk about world building in like fantasy or sci-fi when you are building worlds that don't exist. But you're doing that, too, when you are writing like the worlds in which we inhabit, you know. So could you talk about maybe like um, did your depiction come out of like your own experience of pubs or like people that you observed? Because I also like the sort of the social ecosystem is really nicely depicted. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think that's. A really interesting point about yeah world building as you say it's kind of a phrase that we use when we're talking about um yeah fantasy or sort of you know but but yeah with i mean particularly with this book um i mean i am a big fan of the british pub i spend sort of a lot of time writing in pubs and uh meeting friends there and i feel like it's in i feel like it's one of the few things we kind of get right in britain i feel like whenever i kind of go abroad i feel like oh, why you know our food generally isn't as good as this but the British pub as a sort of institution um, is kind of, you know, if you find your ideal pub, you know, particularly in the winter and there's a roaring fire and, you know, some of these places are hundreds of years old, there is something sort of quite magical about them. And I think they are places where um, quite often, I think in a very male way, actually, uh, men of a certain age in particular who haven't necessarily got a community around them or or family, sort of tend to find themselves in these places, even if they're not necessarily striking up conversation with people or or meeting friends there. I think there is a sense of of kind of um of community where you're just you're you're on your own, but you're with other people. Mm-hmm. And so and pubs I think are a great place to observe sort of all of life. And you know, you get all sorts of people in there from different walks of life. And so from that point of view that kind of came quite naturally to me I think hopefully being quite sort of authentic with it and obviously as well just gave me an excuse to go to the pub quite a lot to um, you know research in inverted commas so that was quite a fun a fun part of the process. <laughs> That's a great reason to write a book about a pub you know just to give yourself an excuse to spend more time with them. Yeah. Um, so yeah let's talk a little bit about uh the proprietors of this pub uh Brian and Lily. Um you tell the story of uh their relationship in a dual timeline. Um could you talk a little bit about your decision um to use this structure and then sort of like what do you do to make sure that the the stories are keeping pace with each other? Do you do a lot of moving around? Um is there a lot of editing in that for you or Sure yeah I mean is it when I uh first wrote the I like to plan uh my books before I write them not sort of um I don't know what's going to happen in every scene but I sort of know what the basic structure is and I know uh largely where where everything's going um but it was I was looking back at my synopsis that I'd written before I started actually writing the book the other day and I realized that um the dual timeline when I when I approached it initially there was going to be a dual timeline but what was set in the past was going to be secondary to what happens in the present which is that Brian is trying to find Lily after uh, she disappeared seven years ago just leaving him a note saying that she was going away and she wasn't sure when she was going when she was going to come back and so um, after this little discovery uh, on TripAdvisor where he feels convinced that he's found out that she is still around and that she um, that he might even be able to find her, he sort of, in the present day, we see him rushing around the country trying to trying to find her, trying to, and to ask her uh, what happened. Um, and then when it came to the writing of it, I realised that 
of course, she had a reason for leaving, and that was going to sort of drive the the heart of the of the book in the um, in the narrative that's that's set in the past. And so, that was the part I had to really spend a lot of time thinking about. And and I think when I when I come to writing a new book, I'm I'm strong on plots. Like I I feel like I I'm always quite clear on um, what's going to happen and the where the characters will be on the first page and the last page. But the thing that that I find I can only really get to by the actual process of writing is to find out the sort of, you know, what is this book really about? You know, it's it's not just about this man on this mission to find his wife. You know, there we need to sort of uh there needs to be a sort of a real heart to this story and a and a and a big theme. And so that was um that kind of came is sort of secondarily to to the to that first narrative and so it took me a long while to figure out what that was and that was actually um I spent a lot of time working with my brilliant editor Tara who um really helped me kind of draw out those strands and it would have been on a third or fourth draft where I really kind of figured out what was happening and as you say the balance of those of those scenes and making sure the pacing was still was up and I think what helped with that in a way was that in the present day narrative there is this quest that's going on so so Brian is actively you know with every chapter I knew I needed to get him uh, closer on on his mission and so that gave me a little bit of license to linger a little more in the past in a in a, in a subsequent chapter where I could you know use that just to show the sort of slow burn of a relationship and you know and then sort of what happens when they're in that relationship and what leads to, um, you know, things going wrong when Lily leaves the pub. Mm. Yeah, I think it works really well to sort of, um, you know, keep the reader invested, but also to sort of like portray Brian's mindset uh, throughout the present because it sort of functions the way that memory does, you know, like he'll, like things are triggered by what happens to you in the present and you recall things. And he is like a very interior character. Um, so that brings me to a question about him. Brian is, I think, um, he's intensely likable to me anyway. <laughs> I identify with some parts of him. Um, but his head isn't always a really extremely pleasant place to dwell, you know, like, especially for him of all people. Um, so can you talk about, yeah, crafting this interiority and how you, you know, do that to play with, um, you know, reader sympathy and also maybe like a lack thereof, you know, how like, that tug and give between like likability and unlikability, you know? <laughs> yeah, that, it's something that um, I think, again, comes sort of in a later on in maybe sort of draft two or three where maybe in that first draft that it I would say it probably errs more on the side of you know this is what a sort of quote-unquote person in real life would think about the world and then I you know there is that always that balance between wanting to be honest with a character and their motivations and what they think about the world and and uh, what they think about people and then you know making sure that um, that for someone who's picked up this book, they want to, and they, as you say, there is a lot of being in Brian's head. You know, I, as a writer, I don't want that to be an unpleasant experience because no one really likes spending time in someone's company where where you don't get on with them. So that is definitely a, a balance. And I think, again, that's um, having an editor really, really helps because it's someone to sort of say, you know, you need to 
shift the balance in a slightly different way. Um, I mean, I'm always very keen that um, a character isn't likable for the sake of being likable or to sort of compromise. Um, but certainly, um, I think giving a window into into why a character does something where, um, you know, it isn't the most logical choice or um, it's not the most sort of likable decision that kind of helps to be able to give them that headspace to sort of help them kind of uh, explain to the reader why they are the way they are. But again, yeah, as I say, that's having an editor is a godsend in that, in that sense, because she will, and my editor is, does not hold back from saying he is not likable at this moment. You need to, you know, give the reader something to cling on to here. So it's always, yeah, a, an interesting process. Nice. Yeah, I have a question about editing, actually, because you have also done some editing and proofreading. Um, do you learn different things from editing other people's work than you do from being edited? I don't know if I learn different things. I think I, I mean, it's being an editor as part of my day job when I'm not writing is a really useful skill. Um, I think it certainly helped me um uh well when i'm being edited i'm i'm uh i'd love to say that at this point now i'm three books in that i um receive feedback well and i do eventually but at first it's like being it's just like being criticized you know i can't see the wood for the trees all i see you know i ignore all the very lovely comments and all i see is you know what i need to do what i need to change and you know i should give up i feel like i must give up i'm just you know it's the worst and obviously I'm sort of now long in the tooth enough to know that that is will last for about two hours and then I'll stop feeling sorry for myself and then I'll get on with the hard work. But it has meant that I'm much more aware now when I'm editing someone that, um, you know, I will never be dishonest in my feedback, but I'm, I will, will err on the side of sugarcoating feedback so that it's, it's honest and someone knows what I have to change, but that, it doesn't come across as, as if they've done something wrong. So that's one part of it. And then I think, you know, when I'm writing, um, I know that I sometimes fall into the same traps of, uh, of people who I'm editing. So it's in a way, it's a good way of reminding myself if I figure out uh, if I'm editing a book uh, that someone's written and I'm sort of thinking that I need something to change with, you know, pacing or someone has gone down a slight, um, you know they're using a couple of cliches when they shouldn't then I kind of that's a good reminder myself that you know that I'm almost certainly falling into those traps as well so it's sort of an ongoing process I think. Um, I'd love if we could talk a little bit about um, Brian and Lily's dynamic and maybe like how that manifests in their dialogue because one thing that I do really appreciate about it is that it does a really good job of illustrating the way that like the the way that couples speak to each other changes over the course of a relationship and mm -hmm. so how how do you um how do you conceive of that like when you are looking at like how their gosh like how their relationship affects the way they talk to each other yeah i think that um because we see uh their relationship from from beginning to end in many ways and i think that um that couples do, I think, speak differently at different points in a relationship. And I think in a way, um, if it's a relationship with a beginning and an end, the beginning and the end are actually quite similar because to a certain extent, 
you're saying one thing while you think the other, particularly, you know, if you are courting someone and, uh, you know, you, you spend so much time uh, trying to say the right thing or trying to say interesting things or trying to say the, the thing that you think the other person will want to hear or you're trying to make them laugh, that to a certain extent, you you're not being your kind of authentic self it's a sort of it's a bit of a dance and then when you get more used to each other and you know you the sort of some of those um kind of barriers uh fall away and you're just being completely honest and then of course at that point you're more likely to uh, be vulnerable with each other and often you know say things that are deeply hurtful because i think there is a line in the book where uh, Brian thinks uh, you know that's the problem when when you love someone you know how to hurt them so and then when you know at the end of a relationship if things are sort of beginning to fall apart again you're probably you're you're overthinking things or you're not really being authentic or maybe there are you know there's an imbalance where someone wants to be honest and the other person doesn't so I think it's um, as I say there are sorts of similarities at certain points and that's hopefully what I've been able to um to try and reflect in the book and with yeah with Lillian Bryan. Mm. Yeah, it does it is it it does feel cyclical in a way, you know, the way that we do share sort of more in the middle. And I think it speaks to, you know, also how that dynamic contributes then to the end, you know, or or can hasten it, you know. Um I'd also love to talk about um their dynamic in turn in terms of like I guess their personality traits cuz like Brian's a little bit more internal introverted tends toward the depressive and Lily you know brings him out of that uh at various points in their relationship so yeah can you talk about also um you know because sometimes the things that initially draw a couple to each other can also be the things that then get in the way at the end can you talk about how you were thinking about that maybe or yeah of course yeah I think that um uh, as you say they are uh different people and um when we first meet them uh Lily is someone who is very uh, assured and she's grown up in London and has a big group of friends and is um confident and sort of quite sophisticated and Brian is someone who um had a slightly unusual upbringing and uh, has only recently moved to the city and is um you know what is clearly uh sort of anxious about the world and his place in it and at first uh, Lily sort of helps to kind of uh, bring Brian out of his shell a little bit um, and I was sort of quite careful that that didn't fall into a sort of manic pixie dream girl type affair which I which is always the sort of you know it's I think everyone is you know to some extent drawn to that kind of dynamic but it's you know it's been done to death and also it's sort of not very realistic uh but there was there is you know there are shades of you know someone who is a bit sparky and uh um you know wants to live life to the full and then someone who is more reticent and reserved so I think you know at the start of the relationship it's kind of wonderful because uh, you know, Lily draws Brian out and sort of he gets to um, sort of feel, I think, uh, confident in himself for the first time. And from that point on, he is more assured. And but I think as, uh, you know, things start to become strained here and there and they, you know, they really go through they go through the ringer when it comes to, you know, various things they're going through. Um, he sort of, you know, slightly um, uh, goes back to that initial state and becomes more reserved and 
and withdrawn and and that's when things um start to become difficult because of course you know he can't just rely on this person to um you know to bring him back out of his shell again so that's where kind of yeah some of the tension uh, plays out as the story goes along mm. yeah it's really lovely and i you know something i love is that it does while it does tell a, a more traditional love story in the flashback segments, like the main bit of the text, like really picks up where most romances leave off, you know? <laughs> so yeah. it's like, it really covers the whole range of a, a human, a human relationship. I said that like I'm a robot, but like of a <laughs> relationship between people. Um, yeah. It's so lovely. And just thank you for coming to our show to share with our, uh, our listeners and readers. <laughs> no problem. Thanks so much for having me. Very welcome. Okay, listeners, it's your turn. You're going to check out This Disaster Loves You. By the time that you are listening to this, it will be available out in the world. So head over to your favorite library, independent bookstore, wherever you like to go for books. Thank you so much for joining us. It is now time to close this chapter. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.